0: 231 and you can find it on page 1221. Galatians chapter 4 verse 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. This is the word of the Lord.
1: thank you uh, Cassie for reading that passage what a passage eh boy we need we need always of course we need God's help and uh, certainly this morning we need his help and guidance as well as we look at this passage let's pray Lord we thank you for your word it's given for us for our growth We pray this morning that your spirit will help us to understand this word, but also not just to understand, but also apply it in our hearts and lives as well. Give us wisdom, and may your spirit give us all the strength we need to work through this passage as well, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, here at St. Stephen's, if you are a visitor here this morning, I see some of you here this morning, we are working our way through the book of Galatians and in our evening service uh, through the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6, in fact, tonight, which is kind of uh, uh, on law and grace as well. Uh, But we uh, do follow uh, the the scriptures and uh, we don't avoid uh, sometimes the difficult sections of the Bible as well. For this morning, I want to encourage you to please also keep... Uh, your Bible's open to Genesis chapter 21. Uh, It's easy. uh, It's the first book in the Bible. Uh, We will make reference to Genesis 21 and other passages as well so that we are studying God's Word together. Uh, Someone sent me, uh, in fact, uh, a clip last week that I saw where this uh, particular person was preaching in China. And people had walked, I think, for three days or so to come and to hear the preacher preach. It was going on for hours. I think it went on for like 13 hours or so. That's massive, right? And there was a hunger for the Word of God. And it was so inspiring. And here in the West, here in our country, we have Bibles. We can go to any bookshop here and pick up any Bible freely. Uh, Those people don't have scriptures. Actually, in China, uh, they're sent to prison. And one of the ladies, I think, shared the testimony that... uh, that they memorize the scriptures uh, in prison and have the word of God. And so when you come to this congregation as well, you know, our mindset is, yeah, sermons are 25 minutes, 40 minutes too long, etc. But I want to encourage us, you're not going too, too long, but just to remember that we are studying God's word. And it is important we give attention to it. All right, so I just want to encourage us on that as well. Um, sometimes preachers can carry on just like i'm doing right now but uh, but (laughs) we're going to learn this word together so today we continue in our series in galatians and if you're here for the first time uh, we are in galatians chapter 4 21 to 31 galatians for this passage is indeed a very challenging passage in the new testament now for us to get a good understanding of what's going on here in our text uh, we will be referring, as I mentioned, to Genesis 21 in particular, and also to other chapters in the book of Genesis. And to enable us to, to understand this passage, I've tried to place it in a table format, uh, I hope, which will be easy for us. Oh, oh, that might look very small, right? You know, magnifying glass for that. Okay, so just, just to give you, give you this, uh, the, the, the contrast that we see here, we see Hagar mentioned, a slave woman. We have Sarah, a free woman. We have Hagar, uh, uh, down Hagar, we have Ishmael, a slave uh, born according to, uh, to bondage. We have the birth by natural process uh, where Ishmael came through. We have the Mosaic covenant based on law and included works. We have an earthly Jerusalem that is mentioned, not believers. And there is bondage. That's the line that we would see under Hagar now Sarah on the other hand is free woman Isaac was born uh, to her and to uh, to Abraham this freedom the birth was by God's promise and faith and the Abrahamic covenant based on promise and faith the covenant of grace and the heavenly Jerusalem God's people and there is freedom in Christ so we could see these two right Hagar and Sarah Ishmael and Isaac and the whole picture is kind of given for us uh, in uh, that context. And so for this morning we're going to look at this text under the three points, uh, the historical argument, the allegorical argument and the personal implications. So three things, the historical argument, the allegorical argument and the personal implications. So Paul begins by asking a question, verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you you not listen to the law? Well, we have noted, friends, so far in our study of this letter, that the fundamental issue confronting the Christians in the churches in Galatia was the influence of a group of Jewish Christians who were known as the Judaizers this group had come from jerusalem and preached a form of legalistic christianity that was the fundamental issue that the apostle paul was dealing in the churches at galatia primarily these false teachers wanted the gentile christians in the churches in galatia to become jewish in the way they believed the gospel that is just believe in christ but also Keep the law of Moses keep the Jewish traditions observe Jewish holidays observe Old Testament rituals and ceremonies and they insisted above all that the Galatians also become circumcised so yes it's great that you are Christians but really you're not a full Christian until you do these things so it was faith in Christ plus these things all right so that's the issue And it is very possible, friends. So instead of rejoicing in the freedom of the gospel, that is that one is saved by faith in Christ alone and nothing else, the Galatian Christians were now in danger of following this false teaching and so move from freedom in Christ to slavery under the law. And it's very possible that the Judaizers would have told the Gentile Christian, Galatian Christians, that when God gave his covenant promises, that they were only for Abraham and his physical descendants along the line of Isaac. So in other words, if you are not a physical descendant of Abraham, then really you are not part of the promise. Do you see that? Okay. You're not part of the promise. But since the Gentile Christians are not direct descendants of Abraham, if they are to receive the promise to be a child of Abraham, they can only do so by becoming circumcised or follow the law. It's becoming a slave to the law. And so Paul begins with the question here in verse 21, and to address this false teaching, he then appeals to history. And so 22 and 23, Galatians, have a look with me please. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. So friends, in order to understand the point Paul is trying to make, we need to understand the background Of the story between Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael, Isaac, right? We got the characters. Got Hagar. We got. We got. We start with Abraham. (laughs) Abraham. You got Hagar. You got Sarah. You got Ishmael. You got Isaac. Okay. All right. So it all started when God entered. Into a covenant relationship with Abraham and all of his descendants God promised to bless Abraham remember that and his descendants so they would be a blessing to all nations we see this in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 5 and he brought him outside that is he brought Abraham outside and said look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them then he said to him so shall your offspring be as we see here God told Abraham to look up into the star filled sky he said Abraham do you see those stars you can't even count them do you sometimes go outside and enjoy looking at the stars I had a session clerk uh, Keith Watson he said to me he's driving down from Queensland and while we were having a session meeting he sent me an email the next day I was watching the stars in the night clear sky and uh, how was your session meeting <laughs> great clerk right <laughs> he was enjoying the nightlife the night stars and everything what, what a beautiful thing to 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 look at god's creation but anyway uh, so abraham is here well, you, you're going to have this uh, this number of people you're going to have more descendants than the number of those stars that was god's promise to abraham and to his wife sarah so you can imagine the excitement to abraham and sarah about god's promise to them the problem was that this didn't happen for a long time. They waited for years and years and years. And God's promise to bring these descendants was, was nowhere to be seen. In Genesis chapter 12 we read again of God's uh, encounter with Abraham. Genesis 15, Genesis 17, we see all of these, these things that God has promised to Abraham. By this time, Abraham was 85 years old and Sarah about 75 years. And as they waited and waited for this promise to come to pass, Sarah came up with a plan to help God out in fulfilling his promise. I'll give God a hand. He needs a bit of help, right? And so we read that she became impatient. And in Genesis chapter 16, Sarah had a young Egyptian servant girl called Hagar. And what did Sarah do? We read that, we know what she did in Genesis 16, verses 1 and 2. So now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of his wife. As a good husband, right? (laughs) He just listened. And then we read this. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked. You see, the, the problem is starting here already. She looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abraham, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. You see the two women now. One is having a child. The other is not. And imagine Hagar is saying, Sarah, what's happened to you? Look, you poor woman. You don't even have a child. Look at me. I'm the masters now because I am giving him a child. Women rivalry. That never happens, right? Immediately there's a problem. But Abraham said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarah dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So we have this situation. So Abraham right, slept with Hagar, and Hagar conceived and gave birth to a son called Ishmael. And how did God deal with Ishmael? You see, in um, let me go back. Oh, sorry so in 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 the next uh, passage okay genesis 16 we see this and the angel of the lord said to her that is to be behold you are pregnant and shall bear a son and uh, you shall call his name ishmael because the lord has listened to your affliction he shall be a wild donkey of a man his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he shall dwell over against all his kingsmen you see god had not forgotten the promise to abraham and sarah And when we read this in Genesis 18 of the encounter Abraham had then with three visitors we see something else that is taking place right we see something marvelous that's taking place in Genesis 18 and we see Abraham he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold three men were standing in front of him and when he saw them he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to uh, to the earth and then we read this in Genesis 18 they said to him where is Sarah your wife and he said she's in the tent the lord said i will surely return to you about this time next year and sarah your wife shall have a son and sarah was listening at the tent door behind him now abram and sarah were whole, were old advanced in years the way of women had ceased to be with sarah so sarah laughed <laughs> she laughed to herself saying after i'm worn out and my lord is old shall I have pleasure the Lord said to Abraham why did Sarah laugh and say shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old Is anything you know what it is is anything too hard for the Lord that's the point here isn't it is anything too hard for the Lord and at the appointed time I will return to you About this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. Now come with me, please, to Genesis 21. Sarah is 90 years old. And how old was Abraham? How old do you think Abraham was? 100. Any one of us might, you never know, we might hit the hundred mark, we don't know, right? Now look what happens here. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called uh, called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah had borne him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac. When he was eight days old, as God had commanded him, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. What a thing this journey is. God's promise was kept. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Sarah became impatient. She didn't want to wait for God's plan. But God at it all worked out. And so Genesis 21, friends, this morning is all of God's grace. What we see here in Genesis 21 is that God is faithful to his word. He can be trusted to fulfill his promises. His timing is perfect. The fulfillment of his promise came in his perfect timing. You see God knows what is best for us and his timing is perfect yes but waiting is always hard right is it easy to wait because by nature we are impatient we want things almost instantaneously don't we I go to my pantry cupboard and I get two minutes instant noodles do you like that maybe not the spicy stuff You put that and immediately you get, within five minutes you can cook a meal, kind of. You go to your coffee machine and you put the the pod on, almost instantaneously you got coffee. We, We are in such an instant age, aren't we? We go to our computers, we put it on, we can't even wait a few minutes for the thing to boot up. We're so impatient. Come on, get going, what's wrong with you? We send emails and we want responses almost instantaneously. We get text messages and I'm thinking like, man, how many text messages am I going to respond? People want answers almost instantaneously. And waiting is hard. Perhaps you've been waiting upon the Lord for something in your life. You've been praying for something in your life. And you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting. And you're you're thinking, Lord, have you forgotten me? Have you forgotten that I'm your child? Do you actually care God for me? I'm waiting for you. What is happening? See friends, that comes an issue of trust then. Whatever we are praying for in the Lord's will, we will wait upon him to lead and to fulfill. And Sarah was not... We pray and trust and wait upon the Lord. Sarah was impatient. Abraham should have known better. And so, medically and physically, it is not possible to have a baby at the age of 90. God did a miracle in the lives of Sarah and Abraham. And how did Sarah respond to the gift of Isaac? How did Sarah respond to that gift? Isaiah, in, in Genesis uh, 21, 6 and 7, we read this. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Uh, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. You see, friends, I'll tell you this. When God said to Abraham and Sarah, You're going to, I'm going to give you a child. What did Sarah do behind the tent? She laughed, ah ha ha, (laughs) oh God, (laughs) you must be joking, you must be kidding, I'm nearly past my age, you think I'm going to have a child, ah ha ha, all right, now Isaac's born and the laughter has changed, it's a laughter of joy, you see that, he said God has made laughter for me, you see God has turned all her sorrow as it was into laughter. He has taken the, 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 the agony that she faced and now has given her the joy of laughter in her life. And she is rejoicing. You see, that's what happens, isn't it? As we wait upon the Lord for whatever that might be, the night of weeping is gone. The morning of rejoicing has come. And sometimes life is like that. The journey can be tough. And we ever wonder, we will laugh again. You know, think about laughter. I was thinking about that. Right? I, you know, I, I crack lame jokes. I know other people in this congregation who love some lame jokes, right? I always, I'm ready for a laugh. I mean, I always like a good laugh, right? And I was thinking, what happens if life, if God didn't give us laughter If it didn't give us joy, what what, what would your life be like if you don't laugh? If if, if we can't laugh, what would it be like? Have you ever thought about that? What a boring thing it would be, right? No one, my family wouldn't laugh for my lame jokes. They don't anyway. (laughs) And I've got to like say, come on, laugh. Right. You see, life will be, I mean, we are laughing now. What, what a thing that is. Laughter is a wonderful emotion, the emotion of joy. And so Sarah is laughing. She's, she's having a laughter of joy. God has answered, done the miraculous thing. The impossible has become possible. Right? I'm not able to have a, a, a child of this age, but, but now I am. And there is a laughter, there is a joy, because the impossible has become possible with God. And so we have two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, right? Ishmael born to a slave, Isaac born of promise and faith. Ishmael and Agar lived with Abraham for 17 years. Isaac and Ishmael were two different seeds. There is a fundamental difference spiritually between the two sons. One writer puts it well. One came by works, the other came by faith. One was a slave the other was free. Thus Ishmael and Isaac represent two entirely different approaches to religion. Law against grace, flesh against spirit, self-reliance against divine dependence. Alright, let me say that again. One was a slave, the other was free. Ishmael and Isaac represent two entirely different approaches to religion or to faith law against grace fresh against spirit self-reliance against divine dependence and so we see the allegorical argument that paul comes up here have a look at 24 to 27. now this may be interpreted allegorically these women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery and her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. Oh, what do we make of this? Allegorical interpretations. Verse 24 is indeed challenging. What does Paul mean by allegorically? Now, allegory, the Greek word in the text here, in fact, the, the, some translations may not use the word allegory because they think, well, the Bible just should not have allegories. But actually, the Greek word is the word allegory that's here. What is an allegory, friends? See, a dictionary might say that an allegory is a fictional story. Right? But in the Greek an allegory can also be a literal be can be literal history. It can be a fictional allegory or a historical allegory. And so in the Greek it is proclaiming something else based on an historical fact, historical value and it has significance. You've read uh, John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress, right? He uses names and all of that that's kind of allegorical but has a significant meaning behind it right so in this context it's an allegory but it is conveying a truth now of course Paul is not saying we need to get this clear that what took place in Genesis is just an allegory imagine if I would get up here and say you know friends what that Genesis story is just an allegory (laughs) it's fictional what would you say to me this morning Hmm? you accept it you say man this guy is a liberal guy he's a liberal theologian get rid of him straight away you write a letter to the presbytery oh we have a minister on the pulpit is saying that everything is allegory i didn't say that right no 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 paul is not saying that what took place in genesis is an allegory the account in the book of genesis is true it was historical it was true abraham sarah hagar ishmael isaac were not allegorical figures they were real human beings yes that's the point friends very important that we get this because liber- you know in our, in our in our debate that we had here the reformation debate and forum remember that right? the liberal guys will say well done christ it's all allegory but it's not allegory these were real people Right? And now, Paul is saying here, now this may be interpreted allegorically. That is, these women are two covenants. Right? One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She's Hagar. Two women, two covenants. A covenant is a solemn and binding agreement God makes with his people. One is Mount Sinai here. That is, I'm, going, I'm not going into all the details here this morning. The old covenant meant the slavery to the law and Hagar herself was a slave it is a covenant of works you see God gave a covenant in Genesis and then in Exodus again he reiterated that covenant in giving Moses the law and the law is saying you must do ABCD and then this what will happen to you right but we can never keep the law we've seen that anyone here has kept all the commandments hundred percent if you say yes to me you've already broken it. <laughs> right? You see what I'm saying? We can never keep these things to get favor with God and to be made right with God. No matter all the laws that we have, the commandments and then thereafter the the, the laws, the ceremonial laws of the Jews, the kosher food, the observance of special days, how I eat, etc., we can't keep that to earn favor with God. It's a covenant of works. Do this and then this will happen to you. So all her children, Hagar's children, are slaves like Ishmael, Mount Sinai in Arabia. The Arabs were known as the sons of Hagar. And so anyone then who is in bondage to legalism is a spiritual child of Hagar. That is, if anyone reduces Christianity to do's and don'ts, they are under bondage. As if their legalism can make them right with God so in the Old Testament friends the old covenant was based on the law of Moses it was based then on law and I cannot keep the law all the time it drives me to grace now in the New Testament friends the new covenant established through Christ and ratified by his blood is a covenant of grace and that's what we need to see here this morning. So the old covenant, based on the law, the new covenant is based on promise, on grace. So we see here, I hope you're with me Hagar represents the old covenant and stands for rules, regulations, slavery, ceremonies, she represents and stands for slavery. So then anyone who is still in bondage, to such rules, laws, are slaves like Ishmael and is one of Hagar's spiritual children. So Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem. This is becoming more and more intricate here, right? For she is in slavery with her children, but the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. Now I was looking at this text and saying how am I, what am I going to let these people, my congregation take home this morning, right? If I was speaking to a group of theological students at the college, uh, sometimes they invite me to speak at their devotions, I will go into all the, but what are we going to take out from this this morning? I'm thinking, man, what is this passage? So now we see Jerusalem mentioned, what is that? Was paul thinking of speaking of the geographic jerusalem no he's speaking of jerusalem as spiritual because jerusalem stands for god's people but look here hagar stands for the present jerusalem and what is this jerusalem that we speak here in verse 25b it stands for slavery in paul's day it meant the jews and judaism that is in jerusalem At the temple and and Judaism, it was all about laws, rules, kosher laws, regulations. Remember? The Pharisees, how they confronted Jesus. Why have your disciples not washed their hands before they ate? Remember that? The Pharisees, they were sticklers to the law. But their hearts were far from God. And how easy that is for us as well you know we can be so sticklers to the things that do not matter but our hearts are far from god and god is concerned about what the heart yeah he's concerned about what's going on yeah see externally I can come here to church and do all the right thing I can come here and sing the nice hymns. I can come here and sing the nice songs I can behave beautifully as a Christian I can get my name marked off I see here Sunday morning I'm here Sunday night I'm here doing this I'm here doing that all nice things by all means we must do it not because we have to because you are here this morning not because you have to right? are you here because you have to well, I'm here because I kind of have, <laughs> you see, I'm under law, friends. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, right, I'll be in big trouble if I'm not here. But, but you know what I mean, right? We are here because we want to be here. And I'm here also because I want to be here. Not, not because I have to be here. I'm not here because I want a job in this place. Of course not. Definitely not. I'll be the first person to walk away from this place if that is the case. Not because of that. We're here because of God's grace to us. You see, law will say, you must. Grace will say, I will. Law will say, you have to. Grace will say, here's my life. You see the difference? So the old Jerusalem, slavery, bondage, misery, always living in that bondage. And so when Paul says that Jerusalem corresponded to Hagar, he was saying that although the Judaizers, the false teachers were Jews, they were in fact, spiritually speaking, Ishmaelites, under bondage and not free. That must have been staggering for these Jews to be called the Ishmaelites. Though they, the Judaizers were physical descendants of Abraham, spiritually, Paul is saying, you are absolutely illegitimate. You are Ishmaelites. You, are not, you don't have any connection to Abraham. You are just an Ishmaelite still in spiritual bondage. Boy, because they don't have a relationship with God. And it's the same with anyone who tries to be made right with God by keeping rules and regulations, works and deeds. Now what about Sarah? What does Sarah represent? Sarah represents freedom. Sarah was not a slave she was a free woman she represents the jerusalem that is above look at your text verse 26 but the jerusalem above is free and she is our mother you see if jerusalem represented god's people in the old testament then the jerusalem above is the redeemed people of god correct his church notice verse 26 the jerusalem that is above is free and she is our spiritual mother you see sarah represents freedom and heaven in that sense is our mother not the spirit not not mount sinai right and the point i want to make here is that if anyone who receives and confesses jesus as their savior and lord is a true child of abraham and belongs to heaven you see i was not born again under sinai if you're a christian you're born from above And that's what John chapter 3 was talking about you're born from above you're born from heaven itself heaven God makes that call and brings you into his kingdom and you are his church citizens of the New Jerusalem what a blessing that is and look at verse 27 as we work our way through this for it is written rejoice O barren one who does not bear Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. <laughs> right? Paul is rejoicing, friends, at the freedom in Christ. Now he quotes Isaiah 54 verse 1. The quote here is fitting and appropriate. Now Isaiah, let me say very quickly, was not thinking of Sarah or Hagar when he prophesied. Where was Jerusalem of his time was barren. Why is it barren? Why? They had been taken where? Into exile, into Babylon. And what did Isaiah prophesy? He prophesied this. There is coming a day, as this is so crucial, friends. There is coming a day, as Isaiah prophesied, when God would establish a new Jerusalem. Okay? And this new Jerusalem will be filled with heaps of children far more than the old city of jerusalem okay and this prophecy of isaiah is now being fulfilled how not in the earthly city jerusalem but a spiritual one that is across the entire world god is bringing people from all nations and christianity is a global work of god bringing people to the new Jerusalem his church for his glory and what a thing that is and today we hear of God doing amazing work in some Middle East countries in China it is just amazing we have a lot of Chinese brothers and sisters here you know the stories better than me right? What God is doing in China is quite remarkable we don't see it in the Western world do we we don't see it here in Australia it's almost like God is bypassing and working with a group of people, bringing salvation from all across the world. I had some people from church visit last week, and they said to me, it was nice to be in this church, a smaller congregation. We come from a place, so what's the size of your church? Actually, Singapore, 600 people. I went once to a church in Malaysia, I couldn't even find We couldn't find a seat. We couldn't find a seat absolutely chokers. us we come to australia <laughs> lots of seeds. what's happening friends you see what i mean god is doing a work and so we have these personal implications here as well in verses 3rd 28 right through the end here, Paul addresses you brothers, verse 29, verse 28, but now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. You see, you, if you are a believer this morning, you believe in Jesus Christ, then you're a child of the promise. How's that? You're a child of God. You're a child as part of his family. That's what he's done in you. You brothers, but just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him, who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. You see, friends, the tragedy of the situation was that there was rivalry and hostility between Sarah and Hagar and also Ishmael and Isaac. Let me point out to a very interesting situation in, um, in, the, in um, Genesis 21, 8 and 9. Have a look at this, please and the child grew and was weaned who is this child isaac and abraham made a great feast so abraham had a party right isaac is three years old he has a great party like we have parties for our children when they turn one and then the next party is when they turn 18 and the next party is when they are 21 and after that we forget about their parties right it's up to them then to give us parties all right parents okay (laughs) it's their turn to give us a party the point is, it's three years old, so there's a party. Abraham's had a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. That was tradition, he broke the Jewish tradition, at three years. But notice in verse 9, Genesis 21, what happens? Have a look there. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham. What was he doing? Ishmael? Ishmael was laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son. For the son of this slave woman shall not be here with my son Isaac. You see friends, do you notice something spectacular taking place? Something in fact terrible. This feast is going on. Ishmael is now 17 years of age. Until that time, Ishmael had been the one who would inherit everything from Abraham. And something took place during the feast. Right? Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian Ishmael, laughing. You see, this laughter in the original language is not a laughter of joy. No, no. But rather, this laughing was one of mockery. Mockery. Imagine the scene. Here is little Isaac, eh? little three-year-old kid. He's running around, party. and The 17-year-old is sitting on the side and is mocking by laughing you see the divide? Ishmael and Isaac, two different seeds. And so we see the divide now in this world. Don't we? The mocking, the scorning, the arrogance, the violence against Christians. Don't we see that? That mocking is still going on, isn't it? You see, Sarah, uh, th- th- this is what we see here. Paul is saying, Remember Ishmael that he persecuted Isaac when he was only three? And so we should expect persecution, friends. We see this, for example, in the Middle East. Christians are being killed today. We see this in some Asian countries, right? Where churches are being burnt. You know the story, don't you? People who have received Christ follow the line of Isaac. You will be mocked. If you're a young person today, and you want to be a Christian in this world, you want to be a Christian in your university and their workplace, they will ask you, hey, you're a Christian. ha, ah, ah, ha, ah, ah. ha. Are you in the real world? What are you following Christ? Don't you understand? If you're a Christian in the workplace, and you want to get an, uh, 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 a promotion to a job, but to get the promotion, you've got to do some things behind the scene, right, that are not right, and you don't want to do it, will you get the promotion? as a Christian you don't speak the the language that your other non-christian people speak and so they might put you aside in Australia today we don't have direct physical persecution but don't we see the persecution of the church coming in little by little the church being marginalized don't you see that Christianity being pushed to the nth degree even the Lord's Prayer is being uh, they're thinking of getting rid of the Lord's Prayer in federal parliament Someone said that to me the other day and I said, Well, if they don't believe the Lord's Prayer. Why say it then? You see what I'm saying. So persecution will come. And as we wind up, friends, you see, Sarah saw that there was no room for both boys in one home. Both cannot inherit the promises of God. Ishmael never received the inheritance. And so Paul is quoting Sarah's words in in, verse 830, makes the point that since salvation comes by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, then there is no place for salvation by works. The church should never tolerate such legalism. You can't have both coexisting together in the church. We cannot do it. It must be driven out. And this is the same way when it comes to the temptation today in our world as well. We cannot have both together. And so look at verse 31. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. So the Ishmaels of this world will attack the church. The big divide. Grace works. Persecution following Christ. Earthly Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem. So far, in conclusion, then, friends, we've seen two mothers, Sarah, Hagar. Two sons, Ishmael, Isaac. Two covenants, old and new. Two cities, now and new. Ega and Sarah, one a slave and other a free woman. Ega the slave symbolizes the old covenant, the covenant of works. Sarah the free woman symbolizes the new covenant, the covenant of grace. The covenant of works is between God and man. We can never achieve perfection by keeping the law. The covenant of, of, of works is done away in Christ. The covenant of grace is between God and the Son, and it cannot fail. So, this, we see this, friends, that God sent His Son to atone for us. And if my salvation is based on some other idea, that I can be right with God by what I do, then I will fail. I will be like Ishmael. Never achieve, the, never get the inheritance. But trusting in Christ I will be safe and secure because of his grace. Do you see that? And what a blessing that is. Two sons. Ishmael is law, regulations leading to bondage. Isaac is grace and freedom leading to salvation. Freedom that Christ has set us free. You know, I was thinking about that this morning. All my sin. All my guilt, everything that, you know, we all have those things that only we know in our hearts what terrible things they are, right? And to know that they're completely taken by Christ, completely forgiven because of His grace, and brought into the line of Isaac to belong to the new Jerusalem, which will one day come from heaven itself, Revelation 21, when Christ returns, and we will be with Him forever do you see that but until such a day there will be this divide and so the church will face persecution the Ishmaelites of this world will attack and we see it don't we we see the big divide but for us as God's people we keep going by his grace every day yeah Jerusalem Jerusalem Where are you today this morning, friends? Are you a slave or are you free? Where do you stand? Are you on the camp of Hagar and Ishmael? Or are you on the side by God's grace of Sarah and Isaac and living in the promise of God's grace? That's the call. And if you are, then you are his. And what a blessing that is. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word. We know it's been a a difficult passage to work through, but thank you for your grace and kindness to us, Lord. And uh, we pray that you would help us to see the great divide in this world, to understand the times we're living in, and to put our trust and confidence in you. For in Christ we are free. Amen.